Hello everyone, and welcome to the March 18th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that Superior Court judge must make an independent determination of the merits of an injured peace officer retirement claim. The judge cannot simply defer to the determination of the hearing officer who initially ruled on the case. Here's what happened in the published opinion of Thomas Alberta versus the Board of Retirement of Fresno County Employees Retirement Association. Thomas Alberta began working as a full-time Fresno County Deputy Sheriff in 1993. Before his employment, Alberta had two surgeries on his right knee. The first in 1981 was to repair damage he sustained while he dislocated his right knee while playing high school basketball. The second in 1984 was to remove a chip in the right knee, which also occurred while playing basketball. The knee, the knee did not require ongoing treatment. Alberta passed his Fresno County pre-employment physical, as well as the physical requirements of the Law Enforcement Academy. In 1995, Alberta hyperextended his right leg while on duty, causing an internal derangement that required surgery. Before the surgery, his surgeon said that the surgery would relieve his immediate symptoms, but he had underlying arthritis in his knee, which would continue to worsen with time and eventually could require a significant surgical procedure. His surgeon, however, hoped such a surgery could be deferred for many years to come. Alberta returned to full duty without restriction in August 1995. Sometime in 2003, Alberta, who was 6 feet 7 inches tall, was assigned a smaller patrol vehicle in which he did not comfortably fit. While he could work, he said that his knees were crammed into the dashboard. After about a year, he began having severe problems with both knees and stopped working in 2005. He underwent surgeries to repair meniscus tears on both knees. In 2007, Alberta filed an application for service-connected disability retirement. In 2008, the board denied the application and instead approved the grant of a non-service-connected disability retirement. Alberta submitted a request for a hearing on the board's decision, which was held in 2010. The hearing officer found that Alberta's permanent incapacity was not the result of injury or disease arising out of and in the course of his employment and that his employment did not contribute substantially to his disability. The Superior Court affirmed the hearing officer. The trial court said it must afford a strong presumption of correctness concerning the administrative findings, and the party challenging the administrative decision bears the burden of convincing the court the findings are contrary to the weight of the evidence. The Court of Appeal and the published opinion reversed and remanded the case. Instead of undertaking an independent determination of whether Alberta's disability was service-connected, the trial court denied the petition after concluding substantial evidence supported the hearing officer's finding on that issue. This was a wrong approach. The trial court must make an independent review of the evidence and determine whether Alberta's disability was service-connected. A workers' compensation dispute Brewing for more than two years between a state and San Diego religious organization may have been quietly resolved. The conflict began in 2010 when inspectors for the State Division of Labor Standards visited the Yellow Deli, a funky sandwich and coffee cafe in downtown Vista, and Morningstar Ranch in Valley Center. Both are owned by a group called Tribes of the Community of Apostolic Order. State inspectors asked workers at the restaurant and ranch for proof of workers' compensation insurance and were told that there was no insurance policy because the establishments had no employees, only volunteers. 
the state issued a $10,000 fine for the Yellow Deli and a $4,000 fine for the ranch. But the 12 tribes appealed the fine saying that the deli and the ranch were owned by the religious community for the benefit of its members. Jim Peterson, an attorney representing the 12 tribes, said that the group agreed in September to dismiss its appeal and to modify the way its businesses were organized. The 12 tribes originated in the early 1970s in Tennessee, where Gene Spriggs and his wife ran a ministry. Eventually, the group began living communally and opened a deli, the first of several restaurants. The group consists of 2,000 to 3,000 members living in communities throughout the United States, including New York, Vermont, Colorado, and California, according to its website. In North County, the group owns properties in Vista and Valley Center where members live and work. Back in 1977, the Internal Revenue Service recognized the 12 tribes as a religious nonprofit. Under IRS rules, a religious organization is allowed to operate businesses for the benefit of its members. In a similar case, the state of Vermont determined in 1994 that the 12 tribes group was exempt from that state's workers' compensation requirements because of its status as a religious nonprofit. The 12 tribes opened the Yellow Deli, a popular restaurant in Vista, in February 2010. The same group runs another Yellow Deli restaurant in Valley Center and the Morning Star Ranch, where members grow the fruits and vegetables used in the food sold at the delis. The produce is also sold to local markets and at farmers markets. The businesses generate revenue that is used to pay for the group's food, utilities, and other necessities. Members of the group work at the businesses, but they are not paid money. The state argued that the Yellow Deli and Morning Star Ranch each had business licenses with individual members listed as owners. Since the businesses were owned by the individuals, the state says that the workers were employees and the businesses were required to have workers' compensation insurance. And now our crime report. A federal jury has convicted a Buena Park doctor for participating in a health care fraud scheme involving unnecessary procedures and prescriptions that led to Medicare paying out nearly $3 million on fraudulent claims. 62-year-old Dr. Augustus Oeming was found guilty of six counts health care fraud following a five-day jury trial. While serving as a medical director at Pacific Clinic in Long Beach, Oeming and others recruited Medicare patients and built a national health care program for office visits that typically include unnecessary tests and procedures. Oeming also generated fraudulent prescriptions for medical equipment, power wheelchairs, and enteral nutritional supplies. The prescriptions were sold to medical supply companies that used the fraudulent documents to bill Medicare for millions of dollars of unnecessary and undelivered medical supplies. Over the course of four years, Oeming signed hundreds of these fraudulent prescriptions, many of which were blank so his office manager could fill in the details. As a result of the guilty verdicts, Oeming faces a maximum statutory sentence of 60 years in federal prison when he is sentenced on June 17th. Oming was among 10 defendants, including two doctors and a nurse, who were charged as a result of an investigation into Pacific Clinic IV Medical Supply in Anaheim and Santos Medical Supply in South Los Angeles. All 10 defendants, including the owner of the IV Medical Supply, have now been convicted, either as a result of guilty pleas or jury verdicts. A 24-year-old vineyard worker was sentenced in Napa County Superior Court to 45 days in jail for false claiming, falsely claiming he had broken his hand during a fall at work. He was also ordered to pay restitution. In 2012, 
Ivan Ruiz Hernandez of Clear Lake had sought medical treatment and reported the incident to his employer, St. Supery Vineyards and Winery, as a job-related injury. But investigators found Ruiz Hernandez had injured himself during a physical fight weeks earlier. Ruiz Hernandez was arrested on suspicion of workers' compensation fraud, and on March 17th, he was convicted and sentenced for misdemeanor insurance fraud and making false statements to obtain compensation under a plea agreement reached with the prosecution. 30-year-old Corin Gasparian, an Armenian national, was sentenced to 41 months in prison for his role in a conspiracy to defraud Medicare through phony medical businesses in Savannah, Georgia. Gasparian, who at the time of these offenses was in the United States on an expired visa from Armenia, previously pleaded guilty to a conspiracy to defraud Medicare. Gasparian and other, others opened medical equipment companies in Savannah, Georgia, known as Healthy Family SOJ Group and Savannah Medical. Once open, Gasparian and his cohorts stole the identities of hundreds of Medicare beneficiaries and dozens of doctors and used this stolen information to submit hundreds of thousands of dollars in phony claims to Medicare for healthcare services that were never provided. These stolen identities of doctors and patients were from multiple different states, including Alaska, California, New York, and Ohio, and they even submitted claims for people that were dead at the time they were alleged to have been provided medical equipment. Gasparian was also connected with at least two other phony healthcare businesses located in California and New Mexico. He was responsible for approximately $1 million worth of fraudulent claims submitted to Medicare. In addition to being sentenced to 41 months in prison, Gasparian was ordered to pay restitution in the amount of about $180,000 and to serve three years of supervised release upon completion of his prison sentence. There is no parole in the federal system. After Gasparian finishes serving his prison sentences, he will face immigration proceedings that will likely result in his deportation to Armenia. And in medical news, the Medical Board of California has largely failed to implement key provisions of a law intended to provide consumers with better information about physician-owned outpatient surgery centers. Senate Bill 100 requires the Medical Board of California to obtain and maintain a list of accredited outpatient settings, including the names of all doctor owners and their medical license numbers. The board must post that information on its website, which must also note whether a facility has had its accreditation suspended or revoked. But the medical board has yet to fully implement those provisions, which became law on January 1st, 2012. The information is not only hard to locate on the medical board site, but that contains a jumble of mostly incomplete records that provide little value to the public. A review of 100 surgery centers listed on the site revealed only 14 that included the name of doctor owner and only five provided the doctor owner medical license number as required by California Health and Safety Code section 1248.2b. Also missing from most of the records listed was information on whether a surgery center had its accreditation, <laughs> accreditation suspended or revoked. Los Angeles consumer attorney Catherine Trumpinski who testified in Sacramento last year on behalf of SB 100 said that this is an absolute failure to comply. Trapinski represents Betty Brown of Torrance, whose sister died in December 2010, three days after undergoing lap band weight loss surgery at a physician-owned surgery center in Beverly Hills, owned by brothers Michael and Julian Omidy. 
The omitties were behind the once popular 1-800 Get Thin campaign. Brown has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the omitties. Trapinski said she was disturbed to find the website listing for the clinic did not mention the omitties or any other owners. Without such information, consumers checking out the center may be hard-pressed to learn that the medical board revoked Julian Omidy's license to practice in 2007 and suspended Michael Omidy's license in 2008 for three years. Medical Board of California Executive Director Lindy Whitney acknowledged the website is incomplete and problematic. Whitney claimed that the agency is currently carrying out an agency-wide overhaul of its computer system. So unfortunately, it has not been the highest priority to refine that website. The NFL and General Electric Company are teaming up to improve and diagnose treatment of brain injuries amid growing concerns about sports-related concussions in youth and professional sports. They announced a $60 million program with leading neurologists to speed up research into brain injuries and the development of new technologies to help protect the brain from traumatic injury. The initiative includes a $40 million research program into imaging technologies to improve diagnosis and an additional $20 million pool of funds open to researchers and businesses trying to improve the prevention, identification, and management of brain injuries. GE's chairman and CEO Jeff Immelt said that they're trying to do this with the best minds anywhere in the world. Litigation and workers' compensation claims on behalf of nearly 4,000 former professional football players have been filed for brain injuries. The initiative comes nearly two months after the Institute of Medicine launched a sweeping study of sports-related concussions, particularly those in young people from elementary school through early adulthood. In professional sports, the NFL last year adopted stricter rules to determine when players can return to the playing field after suffering a concussion. Treatment by network physicians is becoming increasingly prevalent in California workers' compensation, with a new CWCI data showing that nearly 80% of first-year physician-based outpatient medical services for 2010 was provided by physicians who are part of a medical network. This is up from just over half of the services in 2004. The REND has grown steadily since 2004. Legislative reforms extended medical control for employers that offer medical provider networks. The CWCI looked at first-year medical service data from more than 1 million claims for California work injuries occurring between 2004 and the third quarter of 2011. The results show that the use of network providers for first-year physician services increased from 51% for 2004 work injuries to nearly two-thirds of the services for 2005 injuries, indicating an initial surge as first-year treatment shifted to MPNs. The latest figure confirms that the trend has continued without, with networks accounting for 80 out, 8 out of 10 physician-based services for 2010 injuries. The Institute has published the results of the study in a research update. Results are also broken out separately for three major treatment categories, evaluation, and management surgery services, excluding injections and physical therapy. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check out our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes store. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. 
Thanks for joining us today. And drop by again next week for more news.